0: Welcome to season one of Negotiate Like a Boss, interviews with experts exploring how to negotiate like a professional. These podcasts may occasionally include some quirky background sounds because we'll be recording at various locations. This is Penny Rosema, I'm the host. We hope you enjoy these casual negotiation conversations and find them informative. In this podcast, we're talking with Leah York, Leah is a seasoned association professional she works with other associations and other nonprofits she is the CEO of Talbot Talent they are in the business of making nonprofits more effective through their talent now you can find more information about Talbot Talent and Leah on the webpage. that's TalbotTalent.com I'm gonna spell it out because it's got a number of T's in there T-A-L dot com. so hello Leah and welcome to our podcast hi there Penny thanks so much for having me on today oh I'm, I'm thrilled and, and let's see I think it was back in July we met um, we were at the MSAE org pro an event uh, that's and we started in a conversation about the differences in negotiating your salary when working with an executive search firm Versus working directly with a hiring manager. And I, there was some parts of that conversation that were aha moments for me. And uh, I really enjoyed it. And do you remember the conversation? I sure do.
1: Yeah, I sure do.
0: Yeah, it was fun. And so that conversation led us to setting up this podcast. What I'd like to start with, Leah, is tell us you know, and our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do, because that was new information for me that I wasn't familiar with. Okay, sure thing. Well,
1: my background is all in nonprofits, uh, mostly membership based organizations, but um, nonprofits all my career. Um, So I don't come from the recruiting world. Uh, I've had to learn that piece of it. But as I started working um, on my own independently with organizations, I found that I was seeing a lot of connections and making connections between people and organizations and it really tapped into my purpose and helping people and organizations so Fun. That's why I got to do Fun. what I'm doing now.
0: Uh, good. It's, it's interesting how our journey flows, isn't it? Um, some things we, you know, as, as we're trying to plan our career early on, you really don't know where those uh, bunny trails are going to go that open up just a whole new world. That was my experience with That's associations. I had no idea, you know, that the whole world of association worked. So fascinating that you were on a similar journey. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the role of an executive search firm. For people that are not interested with that, or not interested, who are not familiar with that term, Mm -hmm. can you help explain it?
1: Yeah, sure thing. So what we do is to uh, identify and attract candidates to organizations that we work with. And that recruiting process is very different from the... Um, job posting process. So we're not waiting for candidates to come to us. We're going and finding the candidates that we want. And about 70-something percent of people who are open to a job change are not even looking at job ads. And so those are a lot of the people that we're tapping into.
0: Ah, interesting. That makes sense. And that, you know, from the manufacturing world, I it had calls on occasion. So I know what you mean about I wasn't looking for a job, but people would reach out to you. Same kind of thing is going on with associations. Is that correct? Right. Right. And
1: um, the other thing I would say about that too is one of my goals is to just educate people on what their options are when they've got an executive transition or really we we do search across the organizational chart. So other positions as well, that um, there's a difference between hiring a consultant that comes in and facilitates the process. So that's usually somebody that comes in at an hourly rate that posts the job, figures out what you're looking for, posts that, that job position, um, screens the candidates, collects those resumes, uh, presents those candidates to the search uh, committee, and walks them through that process. And that's a very important role. What we do is we do, we do all of that, except we don't post jobs. Um, but we go out and find those candidates and so and that's typically search firms are on a, a percentage of salary type fee structure so it's a it's different in the fee structure but it's also different in the process and the results that you're getting
0: so the consultants are typically on a project or hourly kind of uh, fee structure and they facilitate the process where a search firm right is more likely on a percent basis and that process is different right right. um you know so let's go to the next question throughout that search process and you are under the heading of a search firm am i correct yeah we
1: are we do more than that um and i I can certainly talk about that but that is that is what we do we're a retained exclusive retained um, search firm
0: and um we're talking for for ease of of a, of a conversation right now let's talk about it from the standpoint of working with associations we met at the Michigan Society of Association executives and I work for associations right an association right now and I think many of our listeners may also as well so throughout the search process what is your role with the association versus your role with the candidate help us understand how that works yeah that's such a great question and I actually had something come up this week that
1: made me think about this as, as um, I was preparing for our conversation. So, when we are hired, we are hired and paid by the association to do the work of the search and to guide them through that process. We are finding candidates to present to them. And I just had a conversation the other day with uh, a CEO, a healthcare um, CEO, who is open to new positions. And he said that he had talked with other search firms, and they all said, "Well, you know, if we have something, we'll let you know, but but we don't work for you. We we get paid by, and we work for, the um, the organization." And so, while that's true, I take a a little bit of a different approach because I know that my association, my client that I'm working for, they are not going to have a um, positive outcome if they don't have a candidate that is happy to be there with them. And so I also, not only do I want to find a favorable outcome for my client, but I want a favorable outcome for the candidates that we're talking about, because the more likely they are happy in in their job, then the the more, the bigger chance that they're going to have, that they're going to stick around, that they're going to enjoy their work. Um, For example, I don't want to, when I'm talking with candidates, I don't want to I don't wanna end up offering them something that is the very bottom end of their salary range and it makes them commute an hour away because you get a few months into the job and things get rough and the next thought, of course, is I'm not getting paid enough to do this. And so I don't ever want my candidates in that type of position and really, neither should the association.
0: I really like the approach that you're talking about, and if I could kind of recap it, there, uh, if a person is going to work with a search firm, and I think we talk about this in some of our later questions, there are kind of two options you got to kind of keep your ears uh, attuned for, and I would think associations that are trying to replace a, a candidate on their staff should have that same kind of understanding and at least ask that question what is the process that that search firm is going through? If they say, I work solely for you, the association, that's one option, but understand the implications of that. And then right. if you're gonna work with someone like yourself, there has to be a level of trust you know, right? You know, with the person that you're working with, but it seems like a better win for both sides if you stay in close communication and are you know, paying attention to what the needs are of both sides of the of the of that negotiation. Is that kind of true? Right, I of course. Of course. And we get really, I always advise candidates to
1: make your recruiter, your best friend, (laughs) tell them anything and everything that you're looking for and what your hopes and dreams are for your position and for your family and whatever you can share with them because a good recruiter will go and find as close to that as they possibly can for you because they want you to to be successful and they want the organization that hires you to be successful.
0: Right now, Do you have, I mean, we we had some other stories. I know you said this one happened just last week, but are there other stories or examples of candidates that that you, that would help clarify how you work or um, how, when I'm looking for a candidate or when I'm looking for a job, the things, questions that I should ask? Yeah. So
1: um, a great example is a candidate that we had for a position and she, um, I don't think she had ever worked with a recruiter and didn't realize how much she should probably share with us because when we are recruiting candidates, we are thinking from day one, um, am I going to be able to find a happy outcome for this organization and this candidate? And so if that candidate had been really transparent with us, we could have probably found a great solution for her. But what happened with this candidate is that she, um, she tried to negotiate with us rather than allowing us to negotiate on her behalf with the organization. And so when she was negotiating with us, she was giving us a number expecting us to come back with, um, you know, a a counter and so on and so forth. And what happened was we asked her, what what is your absolute, what is your range? What's your absolute low? What's What's your goal number for this next year? What's your goal number for five years from now? And because she wasn't, Really open and honest with us about that. She didn't end up getting selected for the position. And when we told her that she said, Oh, well, I, I would have gone to another salary. I would, I was waiting for you to come back with, with another, you know, a counter offer. And so, you know, when a recruiter says to you, what is your absolute, what lowest, um, what's your, what's your goal number? Be really transparent with them because a good recruiter will go to bat for you and probably won't get you absolutely everything, but can get close to it if it's a good if it's a good match with the organization.
0: Yeah, and so the I think this is a part of the conversation that we had um, last July is that um, my experience has not been with a recruiter, or, or I'm sorry, with mm-hmm. a you know. Um, an organization like yourself, a search a search mm-hmm. firm, it's always been directly with that hiring manager. And you absolutely wouldn't, you know, there there is an expectation that you should negotiate. Um, sure. I often tell especially women that if you take the, you know, that the hiring manager is expecting you to negotiate. And if you don't, they may question their decision to hire you because they were planning on a negotiation. And I think the mm-hmm. biggest takeaway from this is that relationship that you have with the, the recruiting firm. And understanding that right back to the the beginning where you said that there's kind of like two ways you can do it if the recruiter says I am working for the association that would be a different mindset I'm assuming than a person if when they're working with you and they say you know look I'm finding the best candidate for both sides if they tell you I need you to be transparent then there has to be an opening up of some trust level there does that kind of what you're saying right
1: Yes, the only thing I would add is that we are working for the organization. They're the ones that are paying us. So at the end of the day, the organization's best interest is always what I'm looking at, always. But most of the time, the candidate's best interest becomes the organization's or the association's best interest. And that's where uh, that comes into play, of looking for um, the best outcome for the candidate. So I wouldn't say that I'm really working for both of them because i, I am gotcha. working for the association be, so the i one. just want to clarify that but again if a, a happy candidate is going and a, a, a new hire a happy new hire is going to stick around longer and um, the organization is going to be happier with the outcome um, that way so
0: so you I know, know that helps. <laughs> that is really good because it is kind of a it's a middle ground between working directly yep. with the hiring manager and working with the executive search firm the point I think you're making, which is what I always teach when I teach negotiation, is myself as a candidate, before I talk to anybody or give any kind of a, what I call the reservation p- price or, or salary, the one that I'm going to walk away and say, no, the, this change is not worth it for me, or my aspiration price, right, where I b- would be like ex- extremely happy, there's always a range in there. And sharing that range, well, first of all, identifying that range yourself. Right, and then what those other things that are important for you the commute, you know, what the time off all those other intangibles that are very important to you. I think a person should have that information and give it to you as part of that conversation. Does that make sense? I totally agree,
1: yeah, absolutely. And because we're talking to people and associations all the time, we're out there in the marketplace, we know what the numbers are. A lot of times, I can give somebody feedback if they're way off base from what the market is going to pay for their skills and their experience. But yes, they should have an idea. And I would say uh, one of the mistakes I made way back when (laughs) before I ever started doing any uh, searches or recruiting was that I kept thinking, well, what do I think I could get? Not what do I, what do I want? And what do you, what do I think the value is that I'm bringing to this organization? So you can really just set aside everything about what you think you could get, and think about what the value is that you bring to an organization, and also not just that aspirational goal for right now, but that aspirational goal for five years from now. We were working with an organization um, recently that, you know, I'm looking at the big picture too of the candidate, is this, um, so sometimes the candidate will take a position for a lower end salary because it's the right step in their career, to get to the next place that they want to go 5 10 years down the road. So I mean there's a, there's a lot at stake there. I mean there are a lot of things that you can negotiate on as you know. Right. Um, but but again we just go back to we are we are um, we're negotiating on the candidate's behalf. And so that it, it it requires quite a bit of trust.
0: It does require trust and I would I would guess that once someone has been through that with someone like yourself you, you know you kind of learn from the, the process there was one comment that you had on it you know that, that you're looking at the goals for down the road and um, I have had conversations before with associations that are larger than the association I work for which is a staff mm-hmm. one I'm it mm-hmm. but other associations where there there is a larger staff someone may want to transition from a role of being the you know, a staff position to being in the executive leadership, the CEO of the association or or so forth. So that would be an example of, you know, this is a transition that you're making. And they would be in conversation with you to say, what is the right salary? Right. I don't have that experience for an executive leadership, but you know, I come in at this salary with the idea that there is this opportunity for the advancement that the as we reach the goals, the salary would raise accordingly. And I'm I'm fairly certain a person like you could set up a negotiation that would have that stepped advancement.
1: Right. And most of the time we cannot negotiate that into the offer. Sometimes it happens. We uh, helped an organization earlier this year to place, I'm trying to think what his title was, a senior director maybe position. And we negotiated because their uh, vice president was about to retire in the end of this year, I think now. Uh, We did negotiate into the the agreement that in the offer that that candidate would move into that VP role. So he was being really hired for the VP role, but he wasn't quite ready and they needed to have some transition time. Um, but that's rare. Usually it's more about what that, that's one of the things I ask my associations that I'm working with is what are the opportunities? Who, who is retiring in the next several years um, that you're aware of and, or what new programs do you have coming up? Where is their expansion or is there a decline? If there's a decline in membership, maybe they're not looking at any expansion and there are not, are not going to be op- opportunities within there. And so I try to be you know, help the candidate and the organization to be very realistic. Um, the candidates that hey, there's a great opportunity here. You may even have a chance for advancement because of the growth in these areas, or they've got team that is going to retire pretty soon. Um, but then also on the other side, with the organizations being very realistic that if they don't have room for advancement. They need to remember that when they're hiring, they're probably not hiring somebody to be there for five or 10 years, depending on what the role is for the executive director, maybe. But let's say it's a director position that reports to the executive director. They don't have any expansion plans for programs, and they don't anticipate being able to promote that person, then that person may not be there more than three to five years. And so they need to be realistic about that too.
0: Right. And for the ideal candidate, that would be the perfect fit, right? I mean, right. that's your. I really liked how you started out the conversation with the transparency. That's where everybody wins, right? Right. You know, having your, and I'm a firm believer in the candidate themselves has to have it all figured out in their mind first. Again, not What's the most I can get? What do I want? What is important mm-hmm. to me? What's the salary that is reasonable? And you know, and then I, I always make a high believer of having an aspiration goal. Pick something that's yeah. a little bit you know high and that, that you would be ex- ex- exuberantly excited about, so that you know where your range is. But I think the transparency it helps, and the candidate mm-hmm. can decide at what t- you know during the conversations at what point they feel comfortable giving that information. Right? Right. doesn't have to be in the yeah, first. Yeah. Usually,
1: we usually have a salary conversation like the first or second call. Typically. Okay. We do. Okay. We start there um, very often. And we talk about it throughout the process because by the time we get to the point where we are offering that candidate either a letter of intent from the search committee or an actual offer from the board or an offer from the CEO that's hiring another position. We want to be sure that pretty much everything has been figured out and negotiated by that time. So not only am I talking from the very beginning with the candidate about salary um, desires, but I'm also talking for sure with the association too. And so I'm already thinking in my mind, where might these two meet? And I don't know for sure in the beginning because I need to know more about the candidate's experience and all of that that we figure out through the interviews process. And then also we figure out with the association, sometimes they say, you know, we're not going higher than this. And then we go search and we come back and we say, this happened last year. We said, said, all the candidates you really, really want are about a hundred thousand dollars more than what you want to pay. So what are we going to do here? So we had to modify some of the goals and also what the, um, the have to have of the candidates and find something that would work for them.
0: Excellent. Excellent information, um, Leah. I really appreciate the information that you provided. I want to remind listeners that you're listening to the podcast for Two Views International. And if you'd like more information about Leah, you can find her at talbottalent.com. And we'll have her contact information and her links um, as resources on this podcast. Leah, do you want to wrap up by giving listeners some maybe some key points on what they need to think about as candidates? for okay. a position. And if you have them for the association key points, be, feel free to share that as well. Mm-hmm.
1: I think for the candidates, I'll just go back to um, being really open with your recruiter because that, that person is going to be your best friend when you're trying to get, when you're trying to meet your goals, your salary and your total compensation goals, really. And so make sure you share everything with them. Don't, don't, hold, don't hold anything back. Um, Make sure that you can trust that person, and I think that, and then allow them to kind of lead you through the process. I think that's probably the most important thing on the on the candidate side. Um, And and I'll just go back to one thing that um, we said, which was to know what you want when you begin the process. And I absolutely agree. You you have to know that 100% when you go in to negotiate with the hiring authority. But if you're talking with a recruiter and you're not really sure and you think and you you want to have a conversation about it, that's a great person to have that conversation with because you can get some feedback about the value of your skills and your experience from your recruiter and be able to figure out what your goals are there.
0: I like that. Very helpful, Leah. Thank you so much for joining us on the call today. And remind listeners that they can get more information about Leah. Uh, They can contact you directly at your email address, I assume. Sure thing. It's Leah, L-E-A-H, at TalbotTalent.com. And uh, there's a whole number of T's in there. T-A-L-B-O-T-T-T-A-L-E-N-T.com. And you can find information about uh, Two Views International, and our uh, website is pennyrosama.com. If you have questions about negotiations in general, feel free to reach out to me. We'll share all the information that I have. It's great talking to you today, Leah. Thanks, Penny. Yeah, great talking to you as well. Thank you. All right. Um, that makes a wrap for this podcast. Thank you, listeners. Enjoy the day. You've been listening to Negotiate Like a Boss. For more information, check out the website at pennyrosema.com. That's P-E-N-N-Y-R-O-S-E-M-A.com. Enjoy the day.